Tonight on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 9 of Cloak and Dagger, the penultimate episode, Blue Note, right after this. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I am Jeff Randall, coming to you from New York! New York City. That's awesome, man. So cool. I can't wait to be there with you. I really can't. Uh, and we'll, uh, we mentioned it on the last episode, but also we'll mention this one. We're going to try to get a meetup together in New York City just because there's so many people and we get, we get comments from there all the time. So, uh, if, if you're in New York, hit us up on Facebook. We'll, we're going to put some sort of, uh, meetup together next, probably Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. We're both going to be in New York. So that's going to be really rad. Just meet up at a yeah. bar or a nerd store somewhere and, I don't know. Just chat. Preferably, uh, preferably somewhere in the financial district, Tribeca, Chinatown, you know, lower Manhattan kind of uh, kind of area. Cool, cool. Well, uh, all right. Let's dive into some Cloak and Dagger talk. Spoiler alert for Cloak and Dagger. Enough about New York. Let's talk about New Orleans. Yeah. Enough about New York. Uh, let's talk about New Orleans. I was in New Orleans this week. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's right. That's you did right. go to that, uh, that Paul McCartney con- uh, concert. Did uh, did you hear anyone playing the jazz trumpet? Um, I did multiple times, multiple times. Okay. No one, uh, no one died or fell into some sort of catatonic state over it, though. So that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Um, okay. So New Orleans is awesome. Cloak and Dagger is awesome. I think this might be one of my favorite Cloak and Dagger episodes, actually. It's really it like it went through so many layers with like wrapping up all the all the all the stories like you know how normally in in like the second to last episode or even the last episode a lot of times in a show they'll like try to hastily tie off all the loose ends or like kind of force them all into being in the same plot line and kind of tie them all together they didn't really feel like they were doing that in this episode it felt like everything just kind of naturally was, was finalizing and, and uh, like Ty finishing his, his stuff with the, with the gang people and that leading into getting, you know, clues about where Andre DeShane came from, but then also Tandy like looking out for the girls and having to have her little throw down her, her, uh, her fight with, um, with mayhem like all of those, just they hit all the beats that they needed to to make it seem like a really well written story, well well crafted story. Yeah. I, by the by the way, speaking of mayhem, I love where mayhem is now. Right. Mayhem is basically the Punisher. Like not not exactly, but obviously not the same backstory. Um, but like she's a character they can't really trust to. They can trust her to want to do the right thing in like a global sense, like she wants to stop the bad people, but they can't trust her methods. Yeah. She's a Wolverine. She's that Wolverine anti-hero. Yeah. That's about, that's probably a better uh, comparison. Yeah. Well, you know, Wolverine's got superpowers and claws. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, you know, I really like, uh, where this season has gone. Um, it, th- this episode actually like really emotionally affected me. <laughs> I bet that it emotionally affected a lot of people, uh, so much so that they they had to post, or I don't think that they had to. I think that it was a good idea for 
you know the the content that was going to be shown in the episode but they did show the um the national suicide prevention hotline yeah yeah well well like they they had that scene where the man uh the uh, andre tried to commit suicide and i think that i guess that was why particularly but like th- this uh this was this was this episode was really dark you know i like when they give us a good backstory for the villain um, and make him make him a human, even though we we don't like his actions, we understand to some degree where he's coming from, and like when he crosses the line, it, it felt pretty earned. I, I I will say he felt a little mustache twirly, but it was just no. I, I take that back. He did not feel mustache twirly. He felt selfish. He felt yeah. very very selfish. That's the main thing with with Andre that I felt is that he was just selfish because he kept coming back to don't I deserve that too? And yeah. when he was talking to Leah in uh, in the the uh, hospital hallway, I was like, like as he was as he was talking about it, like you should do these things, like you know I need you, don't you want to help me? Um, you know, let me take care of you. Like all of these things are what super manipulative narcissistic people will say to try to put people into the position to put, you know, their victims into the position of being victims. And like all of that was just like hitting every beat and it was perfectly crafted. Like, Oh my God, these writers in this show are so freaking good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree. Um, and him being a musician and, uh, there's actually some, <laughs> this actually hit really close to home cause some things going on in my personal life. Um, and, and that was, and, and like, it was, it was harsh, man. This, this episode really, really, um, gave me a hard time. Like I, I really, I was really emotionally impacted by it. Um, and man. Andre, it was interesting how they tied his desire to be a god in the voodoo sense to his desire to be a musical god at the beginning. Um, And and I loved that I thought this season was going to end with them stopping his ascendance. Yeah, like I thought that he wasn't going to get that ascension. Yes, but he got there. Like he is a god now in the voodoo, whatever the voodoo god means. He's Loa. Yeah. Exactly, which is I, I guess I mean they they talk about it as if it's like a voodoo god. He t- he says multiple times he's going to be a god. Um, yeah, uh, it, it was really well crafted, um, and and it, and beautiful the way he's playing the trumpet as like a uh, I don't know some sort of symbol of the voodoo process he's going through. I just loved it, man. I really really loved it. Yeah, like, well, he he kept having to play records for people to uh, to kind of put them into that state of of despair, and yeah. it's like now now that he's you know now that he's doing doing this for a lot of people, he just has his trumpet to put them into that state. We talked about it last episode. Like, what is the record store? Like, what is it? And it does seem like the record store is a thing that cr- existed prior to Tandy's vision of the record store. And, it, and the record store somehow, I guess, it exists in the dark dimension. Um, and it, it, it was created, it seems like, for or by Andre putting his own. He talks about the record bins in that first scene. He talks about the record bins and how that one, that one bin has the gods of jazz in it. 
And, and yeah. so this record bins is like a creation of his obsession and, and like the, the flipping of the records, all that stuff is, seems like it's manifestations. I love that we finally got there because I was really concerned over a couple episodes, like what do these records mean? Where is this place? Who create, why is it the same for everyone who goes there? And it just seems like this, whatever this thing is, this like repository of people's hopes and, and like some sort of, uh, source of people's fears or whatever. This whole show plays with hopes and fears and the explosion caused Tandy and Ty to have like powers that relate to hope and fear. And now, uh, the, the, his powers also relate in the same way. And I just, I just, I mean, I'm really, really loving it. I, 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 this, this episode tied all that together for me. And now he's a Loa. How do you fight a Loa? I don't know. Like, how do you fight Aloha? Where do you fight Aloha? I mean, he got daggered in the chest and fell down, and then, like, everyone disappeared. Where did all the people go, Matt? Yeah. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, do, do people actually disappear into him, similar to Ty, when they have, you know, been fully consumed? Is that what we're to believe? I don't know. I, th- I think, based on the characters that were there, including Tandy's mom, I think we're is this is kind of like in game uh spoiler talk but like uh when we talk about like how we kind of knew everybody was going to come back you know i if it had just been um the young girl that Tandy cared about that was there i might have believed that the, these people could have been gone for good you know like if it would have i kind of didn't like that Tandy's mom was there cuz that gives me like ah oh, they're going to bring Tandy's mom back are they though? Um, I feel like they are. Maybe not. Maybe that would be a really tragic thing for Tandy to deal with. Um, I loved that Ty, Ty and Tandy, Tandy was ready to kill to preserve Ty's innocence, but Ty was not ready to let Tandy take on that responsibility yeah. by herself. Uh, just it, the, all of that was cool and sweet and also like an interesting ethical discussion. Cause if this guy's about to, you know, murder a whole city, uh, Ty is a very good guy with a good moral compass, but it seems like he, he knows similar, similar to, he's like, to me, he is, he's the kind of hero I want. You got daredevil, you got the punisher, you got Batman and you got the punisher. Um, <laughs> You you got people that will refuse to kill. They'll do everything up until that line, but they won't kill. And I don't really abide that. Like if you, I I get it if that's your rule, but in a certain scenario, if killing one man saves the world, you know, you got to do it. It's, it's that, that is the right moral choice. Um, I think, um, and I, maybe, yeah, no, I understand. It's totally questionable. And I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, that's why he's the type of hero that I want. Like, he's my type of hero. Like, you gotta do the hard thing when the hard thing is necessary. Even crossing a boundary that you feel like is wrong, but if it will save the, the entire city, maybe it's worth crossing your own boundary. I, I mean, like, I, Mm. It's it's a tough question because at the same time I want to be I want to believe in you know sunshine and rainbows and idealism but it's hard <laughs> to argue with Ty when he says we got to put this guy down because he's about to kill the whole city you know yeah yeah but I mean 
what it, what kind of precedent does that set of like this is a rule but it's only a rule when i feel like it needs to be right it is a slippery slope for sure um and you know you might have to be willing to turn yourself in in that case and say i killed andre you know uh it was my choice prosecute me like that that's probably where i would land on it like if you break your rule you broke your rule you broke society's rule uh turn yourself in you know yeah yeah, but then, you know, <clears throat> assuming, like, say he does turn himself in, the, the law is going to see that as, okay, you just, you killed a man who hadn't done something that you think that he was going to do, and you worked out how to do it beforehand, so that's that's murder one. Right, yeah, no, absolutely. I don't know. I don't know the right answer. I don't know, man. I was trying to give give him some consequences for it, but you're right. It doesn't really make sense to go to the law over a voodoo matter. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> laws of man and the laws of voodoo are uh, a little bit different. <laughs> yep. They are indeed. They are indeed. I mean, this, this whole show is about ethics, because, or the ethical question of, like, how far is too far and who, like, who decides when somebody has has become irredeemable because yeah. there was that whole discussion between Tandy and Mayhem about Leah you know Leah used to be a good person she was a nurse and she right. was going to be a you know she was going to be all this great stuff and she was a good person and wanted to help but was corrupted by Andre and turned into something else and you know Tandy thinks that maybe she shouldn't be killed because of what she became but then you know, mayhem is has decided that like these people who have bad things happen to them, like that doesn't give them the right to just become shitty people and do bad things. So they need to be put down for it. Like maybe she's right. Yeah, it, it, it's totally fair. It's totally fair. I, you know, I think that at times mayhem has gone too far, but maybe she's right. You know, uh, but but it, it's tough. What what is the line? When did she become a? When did she cross the line between being a victim and being the enemy? You know. Yeah. I I would say it's really hard to kill that character. Like I don't think she should kill, especially when she's laying on the floor helpless. Helpless. There's yeah. no reason to kill her. I think that in that case, mayhem was right. I mean, I'm sorry, Tandy was right, but <laughs> in that case, they should have just slowly sank the light dagger into her heart. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's that's what I meant to say. Because she's helpless and it's easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you know? What heroes do? Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, uh, I, I, I this this the show's been great. It's presented a lot of questions. I'm really excited to see what happens once you have a Loa against these two superheroes. Um, and what even a Loa means and the, the whole dark dimension being connected there's like this dark energy under New Orleans that's like seems like maybe what they're saying here which I think I've talked about this on the cast before um, I really love when shows present a sort of fantastical religious element to a show which this show is definitely doing but you could also look at it from some sort of dimensional or scientific like point of view and in this case like i can do that i can imagine that somehow just a, a ball of dark energy exists 
under New Orleans, and that's why all this voodoo developed there. And it's and all of these interpretations of voodoo, all these loas, and all the symbolism is all just the interpretation of this connection to this other di- dark dimension. You know? Yeah, I love that. It just it it gets me gets me going. That whole just idea of like. You don't know what's real. This all could be a religion. These all could be gods, or this could be like some sort of interpretation of a scientific principle at work. I, I, I'd love it. Yeah, it's that whole magic and science thing. Yeah. I mean, the Norse gods were just aliens, right? Yeah, they just were aliens. Um, <laughs> okay, let's throw in some of this feedback. We got a lot of, we got a lot of feedback about Cloak and Dagger, which is awesome. I'm so glad so many people are watching it. Yep, yep. We had uh, we had Joe Wilson hit us up on Twitter. Says that into you cast. Where are you guys? So much has happened on Cloak and Dagger, and I think we all need help processing it. My biggest thing is that Ty has shown that he can lock onto someone, but he couldn't do that with Tandy when she was in the hotel. And I thought Mayhem was a bad guy. Like what? Yeah, I, I think that bad guy is too reductive. I think that Mayhem is a character that does some bad things for sure. She crosses some lines, but she seems to want to do the right thing, which I, I think is compelling. It's it's the same, like you said, Wolverine, Punisher. It's those characters. And as for, I don't know, he can lock onto someone when he draws that. The Veve. Yeah, the Veve. Um, he can draw, he can lock onto someone when he draws that, but I don't know what that ha- has to do with. And I also don't know if it had something to do with, uh, Andre having control of her mind and being in control of her. Cause it could have just been something to do with she, he could have locked onto her, but she wasn't her. She didn't have her hope. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know why he couldn't lock onto her in the, in that scenario. Well, he did lock onto her. He, um, he had to do the, the really big Veve. Oh yeah. I'm fuzzy on it. He had uh, he popped into the middle of the uh, the hotel. Okay, cool space or whatever, okay. and he uh, you know he had the fight with the bouncer. Yeah, it's been a couple episodes. I don't know, um, I, <laughs> but we're here. Uh, in answer to your question, where are we? We're here. Uh, we we've been dropping episodes, but yeah, I think we missed one week. Well, uh, that was posted on May seventeenth, which we had kind of. That was when you were sick. Oh yeah, that was when I was sick. I apologize. I'm I was sick, but That's I'm back. I'm back to normal. I can almost sing well enough to record some music, which I'm supposed to do tomorrow. I'm recording a Star Wars parody, and I'm hoping to do it tomorrow. Oh yeah, Star Wars parody all day. That sounds like fun. I'm really excited about it. Next up, we have Jake Brook hitting us up on Facebook. This is Cloak and Dagger season two, episode eight. First things first, I want that game. A double dragon style cloak and dagger beat em up? Yes, please. <laughs> Just like a mobile version or something. So one thing kind of confuses me. How exactly did Andre kill Auntie? I didn't really clock that she died last episode. But moving on. I love that we're getting more lore about this, I guess, voodoo dimension. I feel bad that Avita's sacrifice was seemingly unneeded as Tandy almost got through to Ty. And Mayhem is back, like fully. But do you think that we're going to get her using her gas powers to thwart Cloak and Dagger, or are they going to save her as the big bad for next season? Also, nice to see them bringing back the priest and giving Ty's mom some great material to work with. All in all, an awesome episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't even mention it last week, I don't believe. 
that Ty's mom killed Connors. Oh my God. How have we not talked about Ty's mom killing Connors? Yeah. It was insane. And this episode, it seems like Ty knows and saw what had happened. I, I don't know. I don't know how much exactly he saw, but man, he knows his mom's lying and that's all crazy. I can't believe she's killed Connors. I really can't. I, that, that blew my mind. Right. Like it looks like he saw her. Uh, burning the um, the the bloody newspaper to get rid of the evidence, and I mean, she straight up dextered him too, like put him yeah. into the plastic wrapped room and everything. Woof! Yeah, um, Ty's mom is crazy. I, what do you think that like next season they're gonna have the whole uh, uh, emotional and and ethical debate of should Ty turn his mom in for yeah. killing? Connors. Yeah, I think that's going to be for sure an issue. Um, I don't know about turning her in or if she'll turn her. So I don't know what's going to happen, but like Ty's mom, like he mentioned Mayhem maybe be the next big bad. I think it's more likely Ty's mom could be the next big bad. Like her vengeance, you know, she's got a real vengeance streak in her and it's not healthy and it could go worse. And we, we knew she had a gun like in season one. And it never explained why. Like, we don't know what her deal is. She also, we also know she used to steal cars. Like, she, she, she has a, she has a bad streak. She's dark past. Yeah. And this is the man who killed her, um, son. So, like, I, I, I offer some forgiveness for that, but man, it was rough. It was, it was, it was very brutal. And he's also a changed man. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, does, does what he did prior to becoming a changed man justify still killing him at this point? Like before he went into Ty's little uh, mall dimension, you know, the, the time art, if you will, yeah. before he went there, um, he was obviously like beyond repair, probably like we thought that he was beyond repair and like absolutely needed to be put down. But then, after you know eight months in in the time art, he may have he he may have found the the you know the the redemption arc, yeah, and kind of you know be brought back to being a decent person. Like he just wants to atone at this point. Yeah, uh, at least that's that's that is what it seemed like. It seemed like he was very genuine, and so it's really hard to find like forgive her. For doing that as a character, it's really a dark thing to do. Um, he mentioned uh, he didn't know uh, that Andre had killed Auntie. Uh, I didn't. I I wasn't sure. She was just on the ground, and that was the thing. This ep- the the last episode, episode eight, ends with the other girl on the ground. What was I forget her name? Andre's girlfriend. Leah. Leah. Leah's on the ground, and I thought she was dead. <laughs> and then the next episode, they're like, oh, get her in an ambulance, or, or get her in the car. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what the rules are for that, like why it kills, why it doesn't. Um, but, yeah, she dead. Uh, Auntie dead. In episode seven, at the end of it, when it was kind of like a... Uh like a, a music combat. Auntie put the uh, put the record on of it sounded like Evita's birth. At the same time, Andre put the record on of a heartbeat. And my interpretation of that was that the heartbeat was Auntie's heartbeat. So when he forcibly stopped the record, he stopped her heart. 
Yeah, I think he like I think that's that's just a power we didn't know about yet. But he he not only can control your fears and absorb them, but he like controlled her bodily functions and just and like stopped her heart. That's right. But I but I, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he just absorbed a lot of Leah's um, hopes and left her lying in the street. Yeah, that's the look of it. Um, it seems that once he. Yeah, once he drops you into complete despair, you just kind of go catatonic. Yeah, absolutely. We've got a one from Matthew Westfox there, but superhero, superhero ethics. My new co-host on the Orville Universe podcast coming soon. <laughs> uh, he had some feedback about episode eight as well. He said, "This episode, guys, wow." Not only did it give me all the happy memories of misspent childhood hours spent playing uh, Double Dragon in the arcade, but it took an ethical point I have often talked about and made it better than I ever have. When Ty says he wants to play the video game because it's simple, because it's clear what is right and what is wrong, and in the video game he knows exactly who to fight and how to win, I feel like that is a critique I have of so much of TV and movies that I see, really so much of the world around me. We live in such a complicated world where it's so hard to just find that easy answer, easy bad guy, but we want to. We want to think that all the bad guys, quote unquote, are all the same, look the same, dress the same and if we just keep hitting them whether with our fists or our tweets the world would be better the video game resonated with me because i think too many of us spent too much time trying to make life into that video game instead of seeing all the complexity there is love you guys love the show matthew wow that is a beautiful interpretation of that video game that's awesome matthew Um, i feel like that needs to be immortalized in a uh, in a podcast yeah, in a podcast or, you know, in the <laughs> internet. <laughs> yeah, that's really, really well well said all around. Um, I, I, I liked Ty's, it's so true, people seek out the simple answer. And so we, 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 we get, you know, driven apart by the idea of making each other the enemy and and, and simplifying who the enemy is to be, you know, uh, outer aspects of people instead of trying to, you know, be thoughtful in our decision making. And I, I just really, really love what Matthew says here. Yeah. And, you know, as much as this show has that color scheme, the palette of black and white, it really doesn't do much emotional black and white. Like the, the color scheme of black and white is where the black and white stops. That's true. There's so much complexity to every single one of these characters. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. And you know, I think that this uh, this Matthew Westfox guy he's he's probably got a uh, a future in podcasting about ethics if he were to if he were to really apply himself. Yeah, if he wanted to do that, I think he could pull it off. Yeah, um, yeah. You guys check out Superhero Ethics, great podcast. Okay, this last piece of feedback is from Dapo. Uh, he uh, sent in a audio file. We saved it for the end because it is a little. Uh, hard to understand, and it's also four minutes long. So we didn't we we didn't want to leave it out because Dapo is one of our patrons, and our patrons get what they want around here. Uh, so, but we saved it for the end because it is a little uh, hard to understand. Uh, the, the, he speaks clearly, but the quality is a little uh, a little bad. So check it out. This is uh, feedback from Dapo. Hi uh, guys, 
at the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. My name is Sapo. I'm one of your patrons. And uh, I was listening to your Crook and Dagger um, uh, podcast, and I just thought I'd weigh in on the whole um, Dark Force and how it works. And just please bear with me. This is only my interpretation. I might be wrong. But the way I see it working is, first of all, Tyrone doesn't own the Dark Force dimension. He's just a falter to it. But it's a dimension that exists. And, he, and his powers are now into, you know, use it to teleport, use it to shock people into it. So he he, 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 he assesses the that force dimension and he can use it as a portal, so he's just like a doorway to it. Now, I believe also that his fierce powers also allow him to access the that force dimension. And what he's done is he's used an area of the that force dimension to create his record shop where he's now stored the memories of all these girls and people he's, uh, he's, he's met and he stores these memories there and he's able to assess them. Now, the question that I would have about him is at what point did he, at what point did he get the memories of Tanya and, um, and um, Harold themselves? Now, that could simply be because Tanya was in it. Maybe once you're in the dimension, the way his shop works, it automatically assesses your memories as well. Maybe, and that's why we have a lot of records for Tyrone and and, um, and and Tandy. Now, this thing, so now when you go to Voodoo, or Voodoo, as you like to call it, I, I would I would presume as well that the Voodoo practices all stem from people accessing the Dark Dimension. So hence, Papa Legba is a denizen of the Dark Dimension. You, know, you could call him a uh, a little creature that lives in there, or uh, an Asgardian type. And hence, people who practice the Voodoo religion, without knowing what they're trying to do, is they're, they're, they're contacting these um, beings that live in the Dark Force dimension. And hence, why the Voodoo connects with Tyrone, connects with this fear. So that's, that's, that's how I see the whole thing working. Now, you asked a question about. Why did smashing the records affect Tyrone? Now, I'm not very sure about this, and so anything I say here is purely me, it's still guesswork, and, and this is me doing it from memory and not re-watching the episodes since I last watched it. I think there's two possibilities. Either when it was, because they were smashing the records, a lot of those records belonged to him, and hence he was just affected directly, because a lot of his spear was being smashed, or his loss of his hope was being smashed, and he lost control. That could be explained. Or, and I don't know if I'm leaning more towards this, is that the very fact that smashing that record shop up was basically affecting the Dark Force Dimension itself, and Charles is linked to the Dark Force Dimension, and it's almost like there's an earthquake happening in the Dark Force Dimension, and he was affected by it, and, and that's where we want to see it. Oh, oh, and just to address your mole question, so I will see the mole as being the construct that came from probably the man of the cop. Because I, I, I think that that's what I mentioned itself, it's a, it's a very malleable, it's a very malleable place, and kind of looks into people's memories and, and builds things from your memory or your, your psyche that either make you comfortable, you know, or, you know, won't be strange to you. Hence where we see the mole, or sometimes we see that petrol station where they all go, we see the, you know, I think it's just it's just the dimension how it works, and that's my take. Um, good work on your podcast, guys. You keep on podcasting, and I'll keep on listening. Dapo, I gotta give you total props. Uh, I think 
that almost all the stuff you're saying is the same conclusions I came to this week, but you came to them last week. It looks like I'm, I'm looking at when you dropped your feedback and, uh, you basically figured out how the dark dimension worked. I like it. Good job. Well, uh, right in more. I yeah. like this guy. Yeah. I right like in this more. I like this. Yeah. Me too. Good, 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 good feedback. Uh, yeah. If we had been able to cast sooner, we might've been able to drop that sooner and gotten a better, uh, Better understanding before even this episode, because yes, I think he is right. The dark dimension exists somehow. It is connected to New Orleans, which is how Voudon uh, developed, <laughs> and um, it is also what Ty and Tandy connect to, and it's also what Andre connects to. And I, I'm leaning toward. I don't think any of those records were actually ties. So I have to lean on, because they were Tandy's memories of Ty, if I remember correctly. He did have, he did have memories of Ty, um, because, well, he touched Ty first off, so he's got, he's got Ty's memories, you know, in there. But, uh, when, when Ty was looking for Tandy, um, Mayhem was in there playing records for Ty. Basically, yeah, and, and affecting what Ty was seeing in the real world. Okay, okay, I didn't remember that he had ties. I guess I do remember him touching Ty in that one episode. Well, yeah, he he shook his hand. That's right. And you know, we saw in this episode that that's how he does it. Is that that physical contact is what gives him the uh, the the kind of lock in of you know I now right. have your memories and affect you. Right. I would still lean toward the second interpretation that Dapo mentioned, which is uh, somehow destruct the destruction of all that uh, collected hopes that were in the uh, uh, in the dark dimension was somehow causing rumblings in the dark dimension that was causing Ty to kind of break apart. Um, yeah, it could have been. Yeah, we don't we don't know though. We don't know. All right. Well, I again, I love this episode. Thanks everybody for writing in. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be, we'll be back with you real soon. Again, if you're in New York City uh, or the surrounding areas, hit us up. We'll try to get some together. Hey, I just had an idea. What about an escape room? Hell yeah, man! What if we met up with some listeners and did an escape room, and then went out to get some drinks after? Yeah, I mean, there's uh, one of the one of the top rated escape rooms in the world is in New York. Okay, we're gonna look at escape rooms and we're gonna try to schedule one. If you wanna, if you wanna get with us on like, I'm gonna say Wednesday. Does that sound good? Okay, lock it in for Wednesday. Wednesday night, we're gonna put June. together an yeah. escape room. So if you wanna do our escape room with us and do a meetup, do an escape room, and then get some drinks after. Uh, hit us up, and we're going to do that in New York City um, on Wednesday night. Next Wednesday night. That, that's the 5th, I believe. Yeah, that is the day after my birthday. Oh, really? Should we do it on your birthday? Um, yes. That sounds no, like a baller maybe. birthday. It uh, does sound like a baller birthday. Escape rooms, uh, an escape room, drinks, possibly listeners meeting up with us. That's a baller that's, birthday. That does sound like a baller birthday. I'm okay with celebrating it a day late. Okay. Well, whatever you want to do. Well, let's do Wednesday then. There'll be a birthday party for Jeff in New York City on Wednesday. Uh, this is going to be rad. I'm excited. <laughs>
Start planning now. Start planning now. Uh, hit us up at any of the regular, uh, well, I'll just say it right now. We are the MCU cast. Hit us up at mcucast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash mcucast. mcucast at gmail. Uh, there, I already said that one. mcucast at gmail.com. <laughs> at mcucast on Twitter. mcucast on all the social medias. If you want to reach, hear more stuff from me, I have the Star Trek Universe podcast as well as the Orville Universe podcast. And you can find my music everywhere you get music. Just search for Matthew Carroll. I hope I get to see some of you guys next week. I know, I know like not all of you live in New York, but I feel like it's such a big city. Surely some of you do. So yeah, let's do a meetup. This will be cool. Peace. Until next time, true believers. 